Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Combine has come and gone. I thought it was a really good one for you Jaguar fans. Got an opportunity today to hear from both Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke. And let's be honest, certainly better for both gentlemen than their season-ending press conferences, which for Doug Peterson, it was it was a disaster, right? I mean, the man showed up 30 minutes late, and when you're a coach, can you imagine Tom Coughlin showing up 30 minutes late for a press conference? He would have fined himself. I don't know what happened on getaway day, and I like Doug Peterson. It had no effect on me, okay, but I'm, I'm sure it affected others who maybe have babies to pick up or other places to be. I mean, just be responsible, right? Be respectful. If you're supposed to do something on time, do it. I don't care where you are. I don't care what you do. Show up on time. I remember one of the first times I had an opportunity to interview Tom Coughlin. I think I was supposed to meet him at at, uh, 1 p.m. I showed up at 12.55 p.m., and in Tom Coughlin's world, that was five minutes late. Okay, But anyway, that was the season ender for Doug Peterson. He was obviously bothered. he seemed to be somewhat unraveled by telling the media that he needed a couple of days to sort everything out, try to figure out what was best for this football team moving moving forward uh, as far as his coaching staff. And within two and a half hours, word came out that Mike Caldwell and most of the defensive coaches were fired. So you as Jaguar fans were like, what? What what is this? He just told us he needed time, and it and it happened. So that was all screwed up, you know. And then you get to Trent Bulky, and Trent seemed very defensive about questions. You know, I asked him about why he didn't go out and spend a lot of money, uh, or spend money, which they had, and and you know that money just is all gone. It was money that could have been used. Uh, for a pass rusher. And, I mean, you got three sacks out of your defensive ends, not named Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen. I thought it was a very defensive day uh, for Trent Bulky and you know, just kind of going back and forth with him. Today, he looked a lot looser. I thought he said some important things, which I'm going to get over. So it's been some time. It took, what, Trent Bulky 18 days after the year to actually speak. Uh, to the local media, which is frankly way too long. It's 14, 15 days too long, in my opinion. And Doug Peterson spoke that next day, but, you know, as you're well aware of, it it, it wasn't a great press conference. Today, much better for both. And that's good. You're at the point now in this one-horse town where you've had 50-some-odd days to kind of digest an 8-3 and three mark and then just falling apart and losing five out of your last six and not making it to the playoffs. So now all of this and all of that, some changes and everything else that's going to now happen. Free agency is two weeks away. The deadline for tagging someone is less than one week away. Uh, that is coming up on uh, March 5th, um, obviously, as well. They've got two other huge decisions they must make. 
by May 2nd. That is whether or not to pick up fifth-year team-only options on former first-round draft picks, uh, that being Trevor Lawrence, that also being Travis Etienne. In my opinion, I'm picking them both up. Travis Etienne's only going to be uh, $6,143,000. Now, this is a guy that has been productive. Now, his average per has dropped significantly. He's gone from 5.1 a carry a year ago to 3.8 this past year. But if you really dive into the numbers of, of Etienne, and I did a little bit earlier today, you know, Jacksonville is a team, 25% of their carries, 25%. The ball carrier was hit at the line of scrimmage or before the line of, uh, before the line of scrimmage, 25%. One out of every four carries. You know it and I know it. The biggest problem on this football team remains the offensive line and I got Trent Bulky and again Doug Peterson. Some really interesting things to say about that today. We are going to go through it. For what it's worth, uh, Travis Etienne's three point eight average per carry was fortieth in the NFL, but he picked up two point nine of those yards after contact. So, I think when you say the name Etienne, a lot of things come to mind. I've never really looked at him as a guy that breaks a lot of tackles. You know, a guy who has some wiggle, a guy who has the ability to certainly make some people miss. Uh, We saw this past year him become much more fluid when it came to catching the football, much like he did during his career at Clemson. That was really not the case during which I would term his rookie year, which technically was his second year since he lost everything as a rookie with that very unfortunate Liz Frank uh, injury. But he led the NFL in, in missed tackles and in, in forcing defenders to actually miss him from the running back position. I was not aware of that. I wasn't. And, you know, we've seen James Robinson run through tackles. We saw at times Leonard Fournette. And Leonard Fournette, our buddy Pete Prisco, had one of the greatest lines of all time. Leonard Fournette was going to give you a four yards and a four-yard carry. Leonard Fournette was also going to give you four yards on what could have been a 40-yard carry, right? Leonard Fournette was kind of a hard head, very little vision, very little wiggle. I think you knew what you got out of playoff, Lenny. Um, The numbers are deceiving with ETN. You know, 3.6 yards as a team, the Jaguars averaged 31st in the NFL. Fix it. Run the ball. You know, give Trevor Lawrence a chance. Build up this offensive line. Make it physical. Make it soft. You know, Tom McManus was just in here. I, I got here when the franchise got here. And I was you know, I was a lot closer to those guys then than I am to the team now uh, because of my age. You know, when I got here in the mid-'90s, uh, I wasn't that much older. I was really the same age as a lot of those players. And – it doesn't change the way that I do things now, although I'm sure they look at me more fatherly or maybe grandfatherly or whatever. I always have said that to me, the identity of a great football team was not Mark Burnell, not Jimmy Smith, not Fred Taylor. Okay. It was the offensive line. And they had it in this city. 
And it began with one of my colleagues with Leon Cersei, another one of my colleagues and Tony Baselli, and a guy like Dave Wydell, you know, a grizzled veteran who would get under your skin, and a solid left guard like Ben Coleman. And, yeah, I saw the right guards change with, you know, the Brian DeMarcos and um, the Rich Tilskys and, and everything else. Um, but that, to me, was the identity of the football team. When I went into the locker room four days a week, there were never members of the offensive line getting up and leaving for the trainer's room, okay? Win or lose, they were there, and they were going to answer the questions. And I've always felt that way about great teams. Yes, you need a quarterback. I'm not going to argue with you there. You can't win in this league without a great quarterback. And both Bulky and Peterson today – incredible endorsements, uh, both of them, towards Trevor Lawrence, and including Trevor Balky apparently went on with the NFL Network a little bit later on, spoke with uh, Cameron Wolf and said that the conversations have begun as far as contract uh, extensions, which surprises me a little bit. I, I don't think anyone, I won't say anyone, I mean, to say anyone or anybody or no one or nobody or everyone or everybody is, is just poor on my part. Okay, there's always going to be some who want to see things done differently. How about very few of you now would like to see a contract extension with Trevor Lawrence? Am I right? Am I wrong? You know, a year ago at this time, I would say, yeah, get it done. As soon as the new season began and he was eligible, after three years in this league, just rip up his deal, pay him. Especially now that the salary cap's gone up more than $33 million. I mean, a record-setting season. The feeling all along for me was, get it done. You'll benefit at the end uh, as far as the dollars, but do you want to pay him what Jalen Hurts just got and Joe Burrow just got and Justin Herbert just got? Certainly not in the Patrick Mahomes category. Mahomes is number one. But my confidence has waned slightly in one season with Trevor Lawrence. He, he makes way too many mistakes. I think a lot of that is because he's trying to make a play. Okay? Trying to make some plays. But you can also say it's not smart of him when he tries to make those plays and he fumbles the football or does things along those lines. The other thing is the guy was hurt. Okay, I mean, he had five different injuries. And when you say he's hurt, you sound like an excuse maker. Well, I'm not a coach here, okay? I'm a host. I'm an analyst. The man was hurt, you know, top to bottom, five different injuries. Give him an offensive line and then see what you can do. But I'm in no hurry right now uh, with that contract extension. So, yeah, the offensive line to me is always where – great football teams are put together. I mean, look at his team in 96 and in 99, right? And look at his team even going back a few years ago when they made it to the AFC Championship game, a much more productive offensive line than we have seen as of late. And if you go back and really study and go back and, and, and look at the years that Doug Peterson was in Philadelphia, just look at how interchangeable the backs were, and the receivers were. As a matter of fact, during his career in Philadelphia, I want to say the only 1,000-yard receiver 
under Doug Peterson was a tight end in Zach Ertz. How did he win? And he won with a backup quarterback. You know, Carson Wentz went down. He won with Nick Foles. Um, one of the exceptions to the rule. One of the few that we have seen going back to Earl Morrill, you know, in the very early tenure, uh, what, year three of the Super Bowl with the Miami Dolphins when Bob Greasy was out. Um, you, you know, you can bring up Rippin, Mark Rippin, certainly, right? There hasn't been a lot of teams. And, and even Peyton's last year in Denver, that was a terrible offense. That was a great defense. Brady's, what, 13 to. Uh, to three victory over L.A. That was much more on the defense. That th- There have been some exceptions throughout the NFL in 58 Super Bowls. I, I, I'm certainly aware of that. But if you look at how Doug Peterson won, he knocked off the New England Patriots by being a part of three things. Number one, an outstanding defense. Number two, a really good offensive line. And number three which may be arguably the most important of all after Jacksonville's awful attempt in the second half to try to pull off the upset in Foxborough where you had Nate Hackett and Doug Marone sitting on a lead and running every time on first down, passing on second down, and literally just watching, trying to watch the clock kick away, uh, you know, tick away. What did Doug Peterson do? Doug Peterson tried to win the Super Bowl. And Doug Peterson has been guilty of perhaps overdoing it at times, particularly on fourth down in his career here in Jacksonville. But the man tries to win. Can you ever really fault a coach who's trying to – Doug Marone didn't try to win that AFC championship game, right? The Miles Jack wasn't – the knee wasn't down game. Nate Hackett didn't try to win that. They tried to watch the clock click. And two weeks later, I mean, Nate, Doug Peterson had to look at that film and be like, what is going on here? I mean, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> you've, got the, you've got the evil empire. You've got the New England Patriots on the ropes, on the road, and they just laid down. Peterson, two weeks later, said, no way. Uh, we're going to go for it. And he did go for it with the Philly special and, and everything else. So I, I thought it was a really good day uh, overall uh, for the Jaguars. Want, want to go through you know quite a few things that uh, was stated uh, today from both Trent Bulky and Doug Peterson. Uh, the most important aspect that we got out of this uh, this afternoon should not come as a surprise, and that was Doug Peterson stating that we absolutely do have the right quarterback. And when I say it in that particular term, that is a quote. From Doug Peterson, when asked about Trevor Lawrence, we do have the right quarterback, all right? Um, Trent Baalke spoke on Trevor Lawrence as well, really didn't get into it much more significantly. Uh, Baalke is consistent when talking about personnel and talking about coaches. It's his job to get them. Right, It's his job to get the players. But when it comes to the coaches, that's up to Doug Peterson. And when you talk to, for the most part, about the performance of the players, most of that is going to be left with the offensive, defensive coordinator, position coaches when they get an opportunity to speak, and, and certainly Doug Peterson. Um, Bulky's not going to do uh, as much 
uh, of that, okay? What really blew me away today with Trent Baalke, however, was quite a few things. And this is what really raised my eyebrows. And I, I was like, is this, a, is this a plan move? Is this been something that has been part of the plan uh, forever? Peterson spoke first. And Peterson told us there was only one game last year where they had the five offensive linemen on the field that they wanted. One game. And, of course, they had the trade late for Ezra Cleveland. But if you go back and look at Cam at left tackle, Cleveland at left guard, Luke Fortner at center, who, who once again, I mean, they just have to move on from him. And that's something else I'm going to get into here coming up. Uh, Trent Bulky talking about being born with physicality. And you can't really teach it. And, you know, there's a great deal of thought that within this organization, because the ego comes into play. Trent Bulky used a third-round pick on Luke Fortner. Trent Bulky, that's his pick. And, you know, the feeling is you got to get Luke Fortner stronger. Uh, I don't think he's going to get any stronger. He's getting blown off the ball. Okay? That is, I'm going to the kid with Oregon. Uh, the Jackson Powers case, right at number 17. I know that that's not going to blow people away here in town. I understand it. You want a skill guy or you want a corner or you want something like that. Offensive linemen, especially when it's not a left tackle, they're never going to blow you away uh, come draft day. But I'm going to keep on saying it. Get the best center that you can. Get, get, you've got to get rid of Luke Fortner. He doesn't cut it. And Bulky today talked about uh, physicality. But Peterson, only one time did you have Robinson, Cleveland, Fortner, Sheriff, and Anton Harrison. Once. And he mentioned that today. And then Bulky, when he went out and spoke, was like, I don't understand this conversation that continues about Cam Robinson. Well, if you go back to the season-ending press conference, He was asked about two players back-to-back. He was asked about Josh Allen. And that created uh, a ruckus within the Josh Allen camp, which, by the way, he was apparently going to meet with his agent again today, and things have changed since that press conference where they have had conversations about a long-term contract extension. But if you remember, during that particular press conference, he said he's going to be a Jaguar. Whether they get a long-term deal done or they slap a franchise tag on him. Right after answering that, he was directly asked about Cam Robinson, who is still under contract. And that's when he delivered the, well, I'm not going to talk about Cam. I'm not going to talk about anyone else. Sending the message at that time, Cam's out of here. And again, you want to you wager on what is probably the most unknown story for this football team? right here tonight on the 27th day of February, and maybe it changed with Trent Baalke's comments earlier today, but ask yourself, who is the starting left tackle going to be on opening day for the Jaguars? You can make a point for Cam Robinson. You can make a point for Walker Little. And you sure as heck can make a point that Anton Harrison is going from the right side to the left side. 23 starts at Oklahoma. 22 of those were at left tackle. Played very well this past year at the right tackle position. Today, on Cam Robinson, Trent Bucky was like, I don't understand it. 
Why am I being asked this? He's under contract. He totally expects him to be on this football team coming up this year. Again, is that a planted uh, story? Is is there going to be an opportunity maybe to trade him? Is he going to restructure the contract? Is he just going to roll him out there and pay him, uh, you know, what, more than $25 million to be the left tackle this year? Or will he be a cap casualty? Uh, We don't know. But I I thought that that was very informative, uh, getting an opportunity to hear that a little bit earlier today. All right, so we're going to be busy. There's no doubt. There's a ton to do on the Jaguars right here on this Tuesday night. Opening comments, as always, are brought to you by Schmunez Vision. Family organization, they focus on personal, high-quality medical and surgical eye care. Say it quite a bit because it's true, but I went just for a normal visit eight and a half years ago, and Dr. Neil Schmunez noticed something in my right eye that was not good, and he had to have it removed immediately, something in my eye that was cancerous. And I needed surgery that very next day. Had it, successful. Whenever I go back for a normal eye exam, there have been no setbacks. My eyes are fine, okay? That is only one small part of what they do. You're talking about 37 years' worth of experience. Now, Dr. Catherine Schmunez, Fellowship trained in cornea and cataract surgery. That's something else that may scare the living snot out of you. Whenever you hear anyone talking about a problem uh, with a, with cataract, right? It may conversation in the office. Oh, my husband had surgery. It didn't go the way it was supposed to. He's having trouble. It's real, people. I mean, your eyes get worse. Look at them right now here at night. Aren't they worse than they were when you got up uh, this morning? That's why I want you to really consider... What is going on with your eye doctor? And that's why I so highly recommend the great folks over at Schmunez. Check them out online. Just go to SchmunezVision.com, and you'll see everything that is uh, offered up there, uh, the great folks out at the beach. That is Schmunez Vision. Casey Dobson in tonight. This late night for you. Yeah, a a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, how you doing, young man? You all right? Pretty good. I'm holding it together. I was told that we had wings from Wing It here. I didn't eat. Yeah, I came in, and, and I noticed that all the vultures tore them down before yeah, I got I, here. I, I was one of the vultures today, oh, yeah. but I, I felt so bad that I offered you some of the wife's oh, uh, hey, chicken and lada hey, soup. Hey, anyone, anyone out there, something, you can afford to miss a meal. Right, <laughs> right, right. But um, Are you on Awaken 182? I am not. You I am it. not. I've, uh, I've lost some weight, but I've just... I've simply done it by eating slow. I've heard about that forever. You know, I, I've tried every gimmick, every fad, but the best thing that I found out that you can literally do is eat slow. And I'm one of those guys that you know could eat a, uh, you know, like a a foot long subway during a commercial break. I, mean, I just chat. I mean, I pound prison food. rules. Right. I mean, this there's no doubt. I I just eat way too quick, but I've been eating a lot slower and then actually getting up. And I don't know how the communication works from the head to the stomach or the stomach to the head, but I'm telling you it works. If you sit there and you keep eating, you keep eating, you keep eating until you fill your belly, that's one thing. But if you literally get up and wait for like seven to 10 minutes, all of a sudden it's like, you know what? I guess I really am stuffed. And I never, I'd heard that forever. But I've been trying to do that, so I've, I've been able to lose a little bit of weight, which is kind of cool. I guess I need to do it. <laughs> You're in fine shape. You don't have to worry about anything. But uh, anyway, it's good to have uh, Casey in with us right here 
on this uh, Tuesday night. All right, we're busy this week, all right? We got tonight, which I'm stoked about. Tomorrow night, 6 to 8, Thursday, 6 to 8, Friday, 3 to 6. So kind of doing things all over um, during Combine Week. But, hey, we're fine with that. It's going to be really intriguing to see what happens for the Jaguars. And I thought today was a good one for Trent Bulky. thought it was a good one from Doug Peterson. When we come back, let's dive deeper into what they said. We're going to play some comments for you. And as always, we do welcome your comments. The best way to do it, Twitter, Baloo1010XL, or on our text line, which is 641-1010, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. 1010XL is presented by Farrah & Farrah, exclusive injury law firm of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Protecting you and your family. Call 396-5555. Jacksonville. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. I don't know where, where, where the ambiguity was. Uh, he's under contract. And the expectation is that he will be back. You know, we, we've had a lot of discussions over the last two weeks. We obviously got a lot of moves we got to do. There's a lot of players that have, have hit free agency. There's another bunch of young guys that we're working on potential extensions for. So we've got a lot of balls in the air right now, and we're just going to try to play them one by one. Trent Bauke today talking about Cam Robinson still under contract for the 2024 Season uh, has a cap figure of $21,168,000. Um, this is about 50%. Smack dab in the middle if you were to survey Jaguar fans. Okay? There are some who believe, many who believe, that Cam Robinson brought back some nasty and was sorely missed at the left tackle position. Uh, My opinion is different, okay? I thought Walker Little, the first four games of the year, was the best of any of the offensive linemen. They slid him inside to left guard when Cam returned. He took 11 snaps at left guard and was injured. He was never the same the remainder of the year. Uh, Cam Robinson gets injured too much, and I know you can't forecast that. And, and and that's that's unfortunate. But when you mention Cam Robinson, the first thing that comes to mind for me is reliability. Okay, he got popped for four games. You hope you learn from that. But still, that can't happen. You can't get popped for four games. There's some out there who believe that if Cam was not caught. And it came out on the eve of the draft that the Jaguars would have gone in a different direction of Anton Harrison. I thought all along that that was the direction that they were going to go. I have been all over this football team improving at the offensive line position. All right, I've said it for years, and and that's where I am uh, this year. But when you look at Cam Robinson, you could say goodbye to him and eat $3,800,000, but bring back $17,279,000. And, and depending on who you're looking at right now, these numbers are all screwed up, right? If you look at the very latest from um, overthecap.com, it says the Jaguars' team cap space is $24,421,000. Yet if you go to um, 
spot track. It's a totally different figure. It's it's actually over thirty million dollars. Again, I am not going to try to figure out these books. The, these are two very credible uh, websites that we use all the time, and we're trying to figure out salary cap situations uh, for the NFL, including obviously here with the Jaguars. But you can bring back nearly $17.5 million. You're going to have to eat almost four. To me, it's a no-brainer. It's an absolute no-brainer. And it's not because I don't think Cam Robinson isn't a decent football player. It's because I don't think Cam Robinson is worth over $1 million a game. Okay? That's what you're paying him. He's a very average left tackle. He's not a dominant left tackle. Do the Jaguars have a dominant left tackle on this roster? I don't know. But once again, the first four games of the year, Walker Little was really good until they moved him inside and he got injured. The other school of thought is only second year under a rookie contract. Does Anton Harrison go from right to left? Could you put Walker Little at right? He was in competition to win that job two years ago, you know, going up against Juwan Taylor. He lost the job, and unfortunately, he's had very few snaps in his career over at the right tackle position. So let's just say for one moment here, they cut Cam, they bring back $17.5 million. You move Anton Harrison from the right tackle position to the left tackle position, and you take Walker Little, who last year played left tackle and left guard, and put him at right tackle, you're beginning the year in September. With two tackles who basically haven't played that position in the NFL. It's tough to learn at the NFL level. But that's what they asked Anton Harrison to do last year, right? He played all 17 games at right tackle. This guy was exclusively a left tackle in college at Oklahoma. So they got huge decisions to make. I I, I think I would agree with you. If you said the best chance for them to win is Cam Robinson as your left tackle, I, I would not argue with that point. The guy's got a ton of starts there. And I also think you have to consider this. We don't know about the uh, we do not know about the job security of Trent Bulky. That is total speculation. Yeah, I asked him about that 18 days after the end of the season. And Trent wasn't a big fan of the question. Trent went on to say he doesn't worry about his job, which um, I, I, I found, uh, I, I'm not sure how I found it. I mean, I don't care who you are or what you do. If you don't worry about your job, uh, you're a much better human being than I am. I mean, how are you wired? How can you not be concerned about your job? How can you not be worried about your job. You're one of 32 decision makers in the National Football League. Yes, I get it. This team is much better now than they were when you got here. And the starting point at 9-8 and eight consecutively is a heck of a lot better than top overall draft picks, Trevor Lawrence to Trayvon Walker. I get it. You as a Jaguar fan, you're disappointed, but you must admit it's a better starting point here than it was a couple of seasons ago. Uh, Trent Bucky didn't worry about these type of things. I, 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 
I, I, yeah, I, I believe privately he does. How could he not? I mean, he's, he's under the microscope by the media. He's under the microscope by you uh, as, as the fans. Uh, that, to me, is, is very interesting. So it, my, my whole thought on this is, will Trent Bulky change the way he assembles this year's team because he's feeling that pressure, and he'll make moves to win this year. For instance, giving Trevor Lawrence a long-term contract extension doesn't help the Jaguars win this year. Trevor Lawrence is under contract for $11.7 million. You can pick up his fifth-year option for over $25 million. You have until May 2nd. Make him play all of that out. You win this year by... Maybe, in his opinion, he was going to cut Cam Robinson forever. He wasn't going to pay the $21,750,000. Maybe he's saying to himself now, i got to win this year in order to save my job. So I'm going to hang on uh, to Cam Robinson. And, and there's a lot of other very important decisions that this organization and Trent Bulky is going to have to make that involves quite a few players. But do you understand where I'm where I'm trying to go with this, I don't know if this is the case, and I say it all the time. Trent Bulky only has to impress one guy, and that's Shad Khan. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what you think, the listener. I hate to be rude because, you know, I always do a show through what I believe Jaguar fans want to hear, okay? But this doesn't become open forum when it's Trent Bulky's job. It's Shad Khan who is going to make that decision. And for all I know, the Jaguars could go 4-13. and 13. And Shad Khan has told Trent Bulky, you have nothing to worry about. Right? How did Trent Bulky sell Shad Khan after being 8-3 and three and then falling apart? Well, you know what my guess is? Had to make some changes with the staff. And the number one reason, Trevor... Lawrence was hurt. That was the selling point. But it's just really something to uh, to consider this year, how much Trent Bulky is going to change his overall way of thinking, um, as opposed to let's say they were nine, you know, eight and three. They went on one half those games. They hosted a playoff game here. Let's say it went the way it went a year ago. Maybe they were better than nine and eight. Maybe they ended up eleven and six. Right, won a playoff game, lost on the road during the divisional. It would have been considered two successful seasons. In in Shad Khan's mind, this may still be considered successful, considering since he's been here, the Jaguars are the losing his franchise in all of sports. Not only the NFL, but the NBA, the NHL, and Major League Baseball. Okay, the losing his franchise in professional athletics since Shad Khan has been the owner. Going 9-8, and eight, back-to-back, to him may be like, hey, you know, this is pretty cool to actually have some winning seasons. So I don't know the answer to that question, but it, it does make you wonder, will he change his overall way of, uh, of thinking? And, you know, that would apply to guys uh, like Cam Robinson. So um, it, what, what scares me here the most, and let's – Let's see here, Doug Peterson. Let's go to Doug today 
on, uh, let's go to number eight uh, from Doug Peterson. This is the head coach a little bit earlier today, uh, really diving deep into what happened in 2023 with his offensive line. Our offensive line, obviously, you know, and, and I think if you, if, you, if you talk to these guys individually, they know and we know that it wasn't our best, right? And as a coaching staff, I put, I put a lot of this on us and, and making sure that we're doing the right things to put our players in position. We, you've heard me say this a lot. Put our players in position to be successful. Give them an opportunity. And that, that falls on us as coaches through, through game planning and scheming and not having too much, just have the right amount of plays to, to execute. Um, and, then, and then in turn, that falls back onto the player, right? The player has to go out and play and, and use his God-given ability to, to go execute the play. So we're going to continue to look to, to improve. Um, we always talk about competition. We want to bring in players to, to add value and depth at every position. Um, and then we have to coach it better. We've got to teach it better, and we got to detail it. It all starts in the offseason. All right, quite a bit there from uh, Doug Peterson on the offensive line. Our Mir O'Brien asked him, uh, as well about physicality and scheme. And I thought that that was really interesting because he openly admitted that maybe the scheme needs to change somewhat. And, you know, if you, if, if you look at the way, uh, you know, Coach Rouser has been uh, respected and what he has tried to do with this offensive line, he's considered as one of the young, really bright offensive line coaches uh, in the NFL. And I've always thought that trying to evaluate the offensive line is the hardest thing to do in football. Now, if you're a tackle and you get blown away on a one-on-one by a pass rush end, that's one thing. But if you're an interior offensive lineman and you're in zone blocking, principles as compared to man to man but a team runs a stunt at you and if you don't know what a stunt is you know you come in from the defensive end position and you invert and you go through the guard hole um or who knows what type of mixing and matching and and changes uh, that happen it's it's real simple to say we're a run oriented offense or we're a man to man run offense or we're a zone style blocking offense. I mean, with Phil Rauscher, I got deep into that when he got here two years ago, asking him what he would prefer to do if he had a perfect offensive line. Well, you can't always call your shots depending on what the opponent is doing defensively, depending on how creative that defensive coordinator is. If you got something that's been very basic, like the way Mike Caldwell ran this defense, then opposing offenses can basically do whatever they want. And you saw how different that was from back during the Todd Wash days. I think one of the great unknowns is what Ryan Nielsen is really going to do with this year's defense. But anyway, uh, Peterson getting into that and then also echoing what I said at the top part of the show, I know it sounds like an excuse from the head coach, but the way I look at excuses or perhaps what others will consider an excuse. If it's the truth, it's the truth. And his point, they only had one game with their five. They only had one game, Cam, Ezra, Luke, Sheriff, and Anton. That's valid. That's honest. It also scares the living you-know-what out of me. 
They cannot walk out those five next year. They can't do it. Luke Fortner is weak. Brandon Sheriff is old. Cam Robinson is overpaid, and he's not durable. You're going to re-sign Ezra Cleveland? Okay, he was hurt. Really? Is he the answer? You're going to pay him top market value as a left guard? Did any one of you out there see anything in Ezra Cleveland that has you driving around Jacksonville right now, pounding the steering wheel, saying, you got to bring back Ezra Cleveland? I know they used a sixth-round pick on him. I know he was hurt. Obviously, Phil Rauscher signed off on it. He was in Minnesota with him a couple of years ago. Still, my eyes say no. My ears from talking with other people say no. The biggest mistake that you can make in any business, but certainly the NFL, is trying to force the exact same thing down your throat the next year. I cannot believe that they think that that starting five is good enough where this football team is significantly going to improve when they are 31st in about every statistical or analytical category. This offensive line is awful, okay? Not disappointing, not underachieving. It's awful. It's terrible. There's no angst. There's no nasty. There's no toughness. They can't run. They can't pass protect. So that's what worries me. Egos are involved. Okay? Draft picks. Little, Fortner, Harrison. Robinson was before this regime. Sheriff was a big, highly priced free agent. You traded for Cle- I mean, egos are involved here. You got to answer your what's going on? Why do you change up this offensive line? Two years ago, they had the most expensive offensive line in the NFL. It's been a bad offensive line. You got to make some changes. So, going to be really intriguing uh, to see what happens. And then then I don't think we have the cut here with Bulky on it. We've got a ton of them. But, um, you know, Trent Bulky going on to talk about how he believes you're born with physicality. And I tweeted it out right as he was saying it. I was like, wow. I was like, this is, this is spot on, right? Never heard that before where you're born with physicality. I always thought that you could teach that. You could get bigger. You could get faster. You could get stronger. I know you can't teach work ethic, right? You got it. Moms and dads out there listening, you know, your sons and daughters, especially if you have quite a few of them, you may have a son where you can tell him once and then he's going to do it every day, right? You may have another son that you got to be on him time and again and time and again. And you know that if you're a business owner if you, or you know that if you're a boss, you know what you have in your employees. You know you can say it once to your uh, guy or once to uh, uh, the lady, uh, and, you're, and, and this is how you do it, and they're going to do it. And then there's others where you're like, are you kidding me, man? You, you, you've got to tell them and tell them and tell them and tell them. I don't think you can teach work ethic. I think you can get away with it for a small period of time. I think you can fake your way through it. But hearing Trent Bulky on that today as far as physicality, I just sat there and said, Luke Fortner. I remember at the Miller Electric Center. One of the first practices of the year, one of the first padded practice of the year, 
I tweeted out that Devon Hamilton just blew out Luke Fortner and pushed him back inside uh, the the inside uh, facility part of the uh, Miller Electric Center, which is phenomenal. If you haven't been out there yet, two practice fields outdoors and then a, a nice one indoors, just you know, a small part of that entire building. But it was like, how can that happen with your starting center? So here's the guy who's saying you can't teach physicality. Yet his starting center is weak. Uh, that, that's a big time problem. Okay, so you all right with the offensive line? Leave it alone. Make changes. Where do you feel? <laughs> you better update that thing like Windows 11. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you, they got to fix it, man. Because, I mean, Trevor was out there running for his life. And when you have what we believe in him, you have to update that offensive line. Because if not, you're just going to ruin the kid. And then we're going to be back at ground zero. We will start to know in two weeks when the league season begins. Again, I'm cutting Cam Robinson for the reasons that I gave you. I'm bringing back $17,279,000. The Jaguars need to eat $3.8 million. For those of you who don't know what dead cap money means, it has very little bearing on you as the paying customer. But dead cap money, when you cut someone, still goes under the salary cap figure. All right, so let's say, you know, they do it by the top 53 players and dead cap money. Uh, The salary cap expanded by $30.6 million. It's up to $255.4 million. You've got to have your 53 players. And I know during camp there's 90 players, and there are ways that you can kind of um, uh, skirt those rules during the preseason. But once you get to... The regular season, your 53-man roster, your practice squad, and your dead cap all has to be under $255.4 million. So Jacksonville is actually in pretty good shape right now salary cap-wise. If you were to bring back Cam Robinson or cut him, you're going to have to eat the $3.8 million. So that's applied to the you know, $255.4 million. But you bring him back $17.2 million that you can go on out and use. The Brandon Sheriff situation is a little bit trickier, albeit there is some language in the NFL that you do not have to wait until post-June 1st to cut a player. It makes more sense to cut Brandon Sheriff after June 1st. If the Jaguars elected to cut him once the league year begins in two weeks, the dead cap money there uh, for Brandon Sheriff is is enormous. Okay, the cap figure is uh, fourteen million eight hundred and sixty eight thousand dollars, and you would only recoup just over nine million dollars. But if you wait until post June first, those numbers turn to dead cap money of seven point four million, and you are able to bring back sixteen and a half million dollars. So. Out of the two, when you look at Brandon Sheriff and Cam Robinson, you're you're talking about bringing back almost $34 million if you say goodbye to those. And again, I don't know exactly how the language works on Sheriff, whether you cut him in two weeks or you wait post-June 1st. As I said, I believe there is a way that you can can, uh, proactively do that 
with at least one player. I, I've been trying to get information on it, and a lot of people's heads are are, are spinning. Uh, but nonetheless, I'll I'll figure that out in uh, in due time. Need to take a break because we're up against it. But that's what um, what to me was the most important part of uh, of today's press conference from these two. Uh, there's there's no and you know what you get some Nash like the bulky thing was kind of ruined today by some hammerhead uh, in L.A. who kept asking about Jim Harbaugh and it's like come on, but that's you know this is a national event. It's not a local event. I mean, people here in town could care less about the relationship that Trent Bulky and Jim Harbaugh once had. And we get it that Harbaugh uh, is back in the NFL, but you would have liked every question that was being thrown to Trent Bulky today to be about the Jaguars, right? And there were three or four. There was one on the on Michigan as a university. Of course, they just won the title. And there were at least three on Jim Harbaugh, but that's what you're going to get at the Combine, which I think is very informative. It's a great week out there. I've been to several of them. Uh, Indianapolis does a nice job, uh, whether it's a Final Four, uh, which I've been lucky enough to go to, uh, to, a, to a few of them as well, and certainly with the Combine. It's, it's going to be a, a, a very intriguing week, but I thought today was a good start to it with both Peterson and Bulky. If you want to respond, best way to do it on Twitter, you can get me, Blue1010XL, or our text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. That number six four one ten ten. Into the night with Rick Ballou on ten ten XL ninety two point five FM. Well, we're in good cap shape right now. I mean, we're sitting pretty good. I think we're right in the middle to upper tier of the league in terms of cap space available. And we've got moves that we can do to, to create more cap space. So we like the position we're in. We like the flexibility that we have. And again, we're not going to disclose any of our, our thoughts right here, but we feel good about where we're at. Trent Bulky today talking about the Jaguars. Of course, the league begins coming up officially on um, March 13th, right? You get that two-day tampering uh, period, or I, I don't even know what the exact definition of it is nowadays, but most of the free agent signings take place then. And, you know, Trent Bulky a few years ago, crushed it. I mean, getting Christian Kirk, getting Zay Jones, getting Evan Ingram, uh, getting Brandon Sheriff, Getting Big Foley, getting uh, Foyer Oluikon, getting Rayshon Jenkins. He did a really good job in free agency. It, you didn't have the money a year ago. It was more of, you know, cheaper free agents, getting guys off the street. Probably the biggest addition they had was Brandon McManus. So the money is there. And of course, there are two ways to add so much more money. You can say goodbye to these players. As I talked about last hour with Brandon Sheriff and Cam Robinson, something that I would do with both. But you can also say goodbye to Rayshon Jenkins. All right. Rayshon Jenkins uh, is a cap figure for $12.5 million for an aging safety. Now, they did the same thing with, with Gibson a couple of years ago. Gibson's career has been rock solid, you know, in the Super Bowl. Uh, playing for the San Francisco 49ers. But but certainly 
Uh, Rayshon Jenkins is a candidate. B- Big Foley is a candidate. He he was a disappointment last year. There, there's there's no way to sugarcoat that. Uh, Devon Hamilton was as well. That was injury related. In in my opinion, hands down, the best defensive lineman in August at the Miller Electric Center was Devon Hamilton. He was really, really good before the back injury, okay? And things just changed for him. But you can certainly say that those five guys are going to be gone. I, I think there's a lot of people right now who would bet on the fact that Cam Robinson, Brandon Sheriff, Big Foley, uh, Cassie, uh, excuse me, uh, Rayshon Jenkins, and Zay Jones are all going to be cut. You know, the other one that you could free up $11 million is Darius Williams. He's got a $500,000 dead cap figure. That is nothing. When, when you have a salary cap number of, what did I say it was? I got it right here, uh, $255.4 million. And that's going to cost you five hundred large, yet you get to recoup $11 million. I would keep Darius Williams there. Final year of his deal. We know it's the final year of Andre Sisco's deal. We know it's the final year of Tyson Campbell's deal. Right? The only two corners, and Sisco's a safety, I get it. Uh, but the only two corners who are actually under contract for the 2025 Jaguars are Buster Brown and Christian Braswell. They, they absolutely have to do something at corner. And... You know, that's that's another decision is I wonder, does Trent Bulky change his way of thinking? Because I think the pressure is on to win this year, okay? And I know you can make the case the pressure is on any year. I'm talking about job-saving pressure. Um, he could have gotten a deal done with Calvin Ridley. He's speaking with the agents of Calvin Ridley this week in Indianapolis, speaking with the agents of... of uh, uh, you know, um, Cleveland, Ezra Cleveland this week in Indianapolis, speaking with Trevor Lawrence's agent. That's ongoing. That's according to Cameron Wolf of the NFL Network. Obviously speaking with Josh Allen's agent. Uh, Balky said he was going to speak with him later today. You know, there was no contact when he spoke at the end of the year, but apparently there's been a ton of contact. Well, not a ton, but there has been quite, you know, there's been dialogue uh, ever since that particular comment. But, you know, if you go to Calvin Wrigley, and and, and this is my way of thinking when it comes to these type of decisions. When Trent Bucky was 8-3 and and the Jaguars were 8-3, and there could have been thought that, yeah, once this season wraps up, let's just get Calvin Wrigley done. Give him a three-year deal. You know, yeah, you got to say goodbye to a second-round pick, but get that deal done. Now it's like, hmm, it feels like the, the franchise tag is going to Josh Allen. You have a week, and then you have until mid-July to get a long-term extension done, uh, very similar to what this organization did a year ago with Evan Ingram, right? Put a franchise tag on him. They got the deal done before mid-July. I, that's my guess uh, as to what is going to happen with, uh, you know, as to what is going to happen here with Josh Allen. He's going to get a franchise tag, and then they're going to get a deal done 
before the mid part of of July. Uh, now, when you get to Calvin Ridley, can you really put together a long term deal here before the league begins? Because the pressure on winning this season will cost you a second-round pick that you must give to Atlanta. Wouldn't you much rather not do anything with Calvin Ridley, give up that third-round pick, and then hope that you can get a deal done with Calvin Ridley once the league year begins? But the problem there is T. Higgins just got tagged. You listen to what Jason Light had to say today in Tampa about Mike Evans. They're going to do absolutely everything they can to bring him back. We'll find out about Michael Pittman in Indianapolis. But the point I'm trying to make here is Calvin Ridley becomes arguably the most attractive wide receiver in the open market. So this is, again, a very intriguing strategy by Trent Baalke. I don't think he's going to give him a long-term contract. He's not going to give up a second-round pick. And frankly, for what it's worth, I would not put a franchise tag on him because he needs to practice. Unless that franchise tag goes on and they know for sure that they'll get a deal done with him before July 15th. Going to be very interesting to see how that type of stuff ends up working out. All right, we got much more to do. Getting some good stuff that's rolling in. Again, you can get me on Twitter, Baloo1010XL. Also on our text line, which is brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. That number is 641-1010. 1010XL is presented by Farrah and Farrah, exclusive injury law firm of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Protecting you and your family. Call 396-5555. Jacksonville. Into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. We do have the right quarterback. Um, I'm excited for the future with Trevor. Um, He's excited. Uh, the conversations we've had since the season, um, you know, and, and, I, and I don't get into the contract stuff. I mean, that's I leave that for, for Trent and the agents and stuff. But I just know that our guy is the right guy. He's got the right demeanor. He's got the right leadership. And it's our job as coaches now to make sure he takes that next step. And, and this will be another big offseason for him and and uh, his development and growth. By no means is he where is he is he where he wants to be or where we want him to be. Um, but really looking forward to, to working another year with, with Trevor. Doug Peterson earlier today on uh, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, how would you describe Trevor Lawrence in three years here? I, I think um, uh, underwhelming would be a good word, right? Um, I haven't given up. I, I, I still think he's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. I still think he's got a real legitimate opportunity uh, to take this team to a Super Bowl. I have admitted and will continue to admit that my confidence level has dropped in a year. Okay. And that's why I will remain steadfast on fix the offensive line. I will not sit here in a year if they fix this offense. And what I mean by fixing the offensive line, you can run the football. He has an opportunity in the pocket uh, to set his feet and read his progressions. And I think a lot of things played into that last year. There was miscommunication. There was terrible pass blocking. Trevor missed badly. His accuracy is not where I thought it should be at this point in his career. His decision-making 
needs to improve. I mean, you can't throw a ball to Parker Washington on the sideline where he's not getting out of bounds. You've you've got to be better than that. You, you just you can't take a hit in Tampa on the sideline where you've already dealt with four injuries all year. And yet, first off, he shouldn't even have been in the game. Okay, but he takes a pop, and it's a shoulder injury, and then he's out. And remember all the miscommunication there, Doug Peterson telling us that Trevor was going to throw today, at least in individual drills, and wouldn't work in any team. And then we find out later they didn't work at all. Again, it was a bizarre year for Jacksonville with the lack of communication. Honestly, it's unforgivable. You know, this isn't high school ball. This isn't college ball where you got 85 scholarship players and 25, 30 walk-ons, and it's controlled chaos at best. This is your job. Way, way, way too much miscommunication with the 2023 Jaguars. So that's where I am. Build that line, and then if Trevor doesn't get it done, then all of a sudden you got a real issue here. You do. And it's one that, frankly, you don't want to hear because you're going to have to go back out into the open market and spend for a free agent, or you're going to have to go back to the draft. I mean, would you want to draft Caleb Williams this year? Would you want to draft Drake May this year? Would you want to draft Michael Penix this year? J.J. McCarthy this year? It's, it's brutal. You see what happens every year with these draft picks. Look at the two guys that Trevor was drafted with, one, two, and three. What's going on with Zach Wilson? What's going on with Trey Lance? I was reading it the other day. There's been three drafts in the history where draft picks at quarterback have gone one, two, and three. It was Tim Couch, Keely Smith, Donovan McNabb. Okay, one of the three worked. I don't even remember. Uh, oh, yeah, and then it was last year or two, uh, three years ago, uh, Trevor, Zach, and, and Trey. The jury's out on Trevor. And right now you're one of six, and I'll cra- I, I think it's going to work with Trevor. So. At best, you're two of six. It it doesn't work, and and that's why I'm I'm holding back here on giving him a contract extension. I I am not paying him. Let him go out this year and, and work for eleven point seven million. Pick up that fifth year option by May second. Okay, it it makes complete sense to do that uh, compared to not doing it and putting a franchise tag on him. You'd save about $12 million, right? I mean, going to be about $25 million on a fifth-year option compared to somewhere around $37 million if you were to put a franchise tag on him. And who knows? That could increase that much more in just one season. Getting a lot of good stuff in on, you know, I wouldn't trust Bulky um, as far as draft picks, and because and, I mentioned a trade earlier, why would you make a trade? Look at what they got in the Jalen trade. Well, first of all, you know that that was Dave Caldwell who made the Jalen trade. And, yes, it ended up being a major disappointment, right? You got Chase on, you got ETN, and I, I believe you got um, uh, Jordan Smith, right, who ended up doing nothing. It's a bad trade. Even if ETN ends up being really, really good, it, it didn't work out for what appears to be a future Hall of Fame corner. But there's one part of this that never gets mentioned. The trade was bad. But 
if Jalen was here, it would have cost this organization a hundred plus million dollars. And I know you don't want to hear that because you want to re-sign your great players. But instead of having all of this cap um, type of leverage that they have, you would look at your right now the the highest cap number for 2024 is Christian Kirk, 24 million two hundred thirty. Uh, $236,000. They're going to have to restructure that deal. You cannot pay Christian Kirk $25 million a year as a slot wide receiver. He's their best wide receiver. We found that out when he was injured. He's better than Calvin Ridley. But you've got to find a way to renegotiate that deal. If, if, if Jalen was part of this team, he would be making way over $20 million a year. So, I know you don't want to hear that, and it sounds a little bit as an excuse. Like, what, what are you, Blue? Are you Dave Caldwell's caddy? No, I'm, I'm just – I never hear that side of it. The trade stunk. I'm not defending it. But if Jalen was here, how much better would this defense be? You would have a heck of a lot less money to go out there and use. I, I just think it's another way uh, uh, to really, you know, examine that. Uh, something else, uh, someone's asked me because I mentioned about a, 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 a trade with Cam Robinson or obviously if Cam Robinson is cut, the organization would receive a compensatory pick. Yes, that is true, but it will not be applied until the 2025 NFL draft. Everything as far as the Jaguars and their draft picks this year are set in stone outside of if they elect to give Calvin Ridley a long-term contract before the league year begins in mid-March, okay? Right now, they got to give Atlanta a third-round pick. Like, you look at what happened last year real quickly here before the break. Uh, the Jaguars got a third-round pick in the loss of Juwan Taylor to free agency to Kansas City. That's a third-round compensatory pick. I know this stuff is rare for you as Jaguar fans because how many great players have left where this organization has been able to recoup? As much as they've screwed up Leonard Fournette and Yannick Ngakwe and Jalen Ramsey and, and everything else, they, Calus, you know, Calais Campbell, they've, everything they've screwed up, they never received compensatory picks. I mean, they gave away Calais. What was it, a fifth or sixth round pick? That was a salary cap dump. They couldn't get a bag of balls for Leonard Fournette. The guy had 1,700 yards in the line of scrimmage, and he was such a malcontent that they just cut him. And went with an undrafted rookie in James Robinson. It was unbelievable. Look back at what Fournette did during his final year here. 1,700 yards from the line of scrimmage, and they said bye-bye the week before the start of the year. Uh, they also got a uh, sixth-round pick by losing Arden Key. So, yeah, if they cut some of these players, Cam Robinson, Brandon Sheriff, Zay Jones, Big Foley, it, you could get back some compensatory picks, but they're not going, and you certainly would for Cam Robinson, no doubt. But they would not come into play until the 2025 season. All right, we got much more to do. Going to roll till 10 tonight again. My name is Rick Belil. I'm with Casey Dobson. With you the rest of the week, 6 to 8, our regularly scheduled program. That's Wednesday and Thursday. Friday, we're in this week, 3 to 6.
1010XL is presented by Farrah & Farrah, exclusive injury law firm of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Protecting you and your family. Call 396-5555. Jacksonville. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. You know, I think those are things that, that I need to, you know, uh, consider, you know, uh, this offseason, this spring. Um, you know, there were things out of my control that I had to deal with more, you know, the last last year. Uh, takes you away from, from some of that stuff, and I'm not going to get into those. But, you know, so, yeah, it's something that I have to, as part of the evaluation process, and I have to evaluate, you know, myself and, and impress as, as decision makers and play callers and, and see what's best for our team. Really, really fascinating stuff as far as I'm concerned there with Doug Peterson. I was asked about this yesterday a couple of times. We get anything out of Tuesday's conversation, Tuesday's press conference, uh, would be to Doug Peterson or Trent Baalke. My answer to that was yes. I, I thought something would come out of it. There's been quite a few things today uh, to our surprise, at least in my opinion. Much better than typical canned answers. And I, you know, I will say this, Peterson's always been – very transparent, uh, but he doesn't have to make up his mind today whether or not Press Taylor is going to call plays or he's going to call plays. You could take your time on that. And, you know, I understand that Press Taylor and Trent Bulky right now are probably one and two as far as, uh, you know, the folks who have created a lot of ire uh, for, for, for Jaguar fans. And, you know, Press there's some feeling that he's a little bit in and over his head. I'm not as down as some of you are on him. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll see. I, I think there's a real chance uh, that that happens. But the part where Doug Peterson goes on to discuss, he had to deal with other things. And, you know, I just, I, I was kind of like, whoa. Um, this football team is is someone who was in the locker room every week, okay, interviewing the players, certainly in there after the game, but but in there during the week. That was such a loose bunch. You could walk in there on a Wednesday or Thursday, and honestly, you wouldn't know if they had won or they had lost. And and I think that there's a lot of good in that. Okay, I've always said that that losses have such an effect on the fans. But it really doesn't on the players. I mean, this is their gig, and they get over it. They turn the page, and they know what it's like to win, and they know how to deal with things when they lose. But, but to hear him go on and say that there were things out of my control that I had to deal with more last year, and it takes you away from some of that stuff, I'm like, what? What happened? I mean, you had a a four-game pop on Cam Robinson, which you knew about pre-draft. You had some injuries, which Doug Peterson and the Jaguars did not a year ago. They were such a healthy team. Shaq Griffin went down. Ben Barch went down. Cam went down late. I mean, the 2022 Jaguars were ridiculously healthy. It doesn't happen in this league. You had the Zay Jones problem. 
you know, Jamal Agnew got hurt. You had some communication issues. Bizarre. We talked about, I mean, Mike Caldwell, Mike Caldwell actually said that the crowd was too loud defensively here in town. I've been doing this for 32 years. I have never heard a defensive coach complain that the defense was making too much noise. And, and I mean, it's baffling. It's absolutely bad. So, but again, it makes you wonder what's going on. What happened? Things out of my control. What did Shad Khan pick up the phone and say, "Start calling plays"? Was Trent Bulky like, "Press can't call plays anymore. You need to call plays." I I can't imagine what else it would be, but that's his quote. And and there wasn't really any of that this year that. I witnessed, despite some of the really disappointing ways that things were handled. I mean, this organization, Doug Peterson told you, as Jaguar fan, that they needed to get out of here after week three. Think about that. That's what happens in the dog days of June in baseball if you've had a 10-11 game homestand and you go two and nine and the fans are booing. Yeah, you want to get out of here. You want to go to the West Coast for a couple of weeks. All right? Not in week three. <laughs> you lost to Kansas City, and then you got blown out by Houston, and you're like, we got to get out of here? You got to go to London for two weeks? And they won. They won, what, five games in five different – but, I mean, what? This fan ba- – this media, this fan base, like, you got to get out of here? <laughs> in week three? So, yeah, there there were some really weird things that happened with this football team. And to me, that was the lowest point of the year when Doug Peterson – and it worked because they went out and they won. But I I still think it was handled really poorly uh, to come out and say it. I I respect him for being honest, but I still to this day – uh, do not get it. All right, I got to take one more break. I'm I'm monitoring uh, Austin Matthews here. Yeah, 52 goals on the season. He's not scored. This could be who knows. This could be a Stanley Cup final in Toronto. They have not hoisted Lord Stanley Cup since 1967. Can you imagine that? That's like Cleveland and Detroit in the NFL. All right, the Red Sox finally won. The Cubs finally won. They're one of the original six. Toronto, Montreal, Boston, New York, Detroit, and Chicago. They've all had success. Toronto has not won a cup since 1967. They had the best goal scorer in the league right now, 52 goals on the year uh, for Matthews, but does not have any so far tonight. All right, we got much more to do. Great to have you with us. My name's Rick Ballou. We do tonight till 10. 1010XL is presented by Farrah and Farrah, exclusive injury law firm of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Protecting you and your family. Call 396-5555. Jacksonville. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, all our focus tonight strictly on the Jaguars as expected. That's coming up again tomorrow. we got plenty to do. John Osher will join me. Live from Indy, they'll start to get a better look now at some of the players. Uh, again, Trent Balky today uh, diving into 
how loaded the cornerback position is. I just got a text. Someone telling me this team needs to draft Brock Bowers. I mean, you just used the second-round pick on Brenton Strange. You just gave a contract extension to Evan Ingram, and you have your blocking tight end in Ferrell. So, I mean, I admire the fact that you're a fan of him, and you, you, you're probably a dog fan, but... You know, if he's there at 17, all right, but you're not going to be there anyway. I don't think so. But, I mean, that's one position group where this team looks pretty good. (laughs) You know? I'd go Jackson Powers Johnson, the center out of Oregon, and hopefully they get an opportunity to interview him. You can interview 60 players. You get 15 to 18 minutes. I think that's the time that you're allowed with everyone. But, I mean, corners are all over the place. Those two out of Bama. And Arnold and uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry, Nate Wiggins out of Clemson, T.J. Tampa out of Iowa State. It's a very loaded defensive back class, which, you know, I'd be, if they address that in the second round, third round, I'd be fine with it. I, I want a first-round offensive lineman. They don't draft the center, Jackson Powers Johnson. I want the best available tackle that is available. But we'll see. We'll, we'll definitely get into that. Uh, coming up tomorrow. Also, you know, we're really going to start to pick up our intensity on golf, the PGA Tour. The Southern Swing begins on Thursday. It's been just remarkable as to what has happened to the PGA Tour. You've had three first-time winners in two months. You've had an amateur win for the first time in 33 years. You had a guy win last week who hit two, two fairways during his final round, and he was ranked 447th in the world a year ago. John Rahm uh, today, of course, if you don't know, John Rahm's gone. He won't be here in two weeks, right? Cameron Smith won't be here in two weeks. Uh, John Rahm says he's reached out to Tiger a few times, text him uh, about trying to explain why he went from the PGA tour to the, you know, the rival circuit and Tiger Woods is yet to respond. Uh, John Rom talked about that a little bit earlier today. He says, Roy McElroy has, but you know, I'm, I'm openly wondering about the overall health of the PGA tour is, is, is you, you keep on losing um, these Big names, and and we'll see what ends up happening. I I hope it's fun. I love the PGA Tour. Yeah, I do, uh, but I I miss these big names. Hey, a couple of other things that you know the NFL Competition Committee, as well, has been really active. It it felt like because we saw it late in the year and we saw it in the playoffs that that whole it's 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 one rule in the NFL where. As far as my conversations with people um, who do what I do or when you respond to me, it's nearly unanimous. And that is fumbling out of the end zone, right? You you lose the ball, and it's first down going the other way. They, I think they put on the 20-yard, 20 to 20, 20, I guess they put on the 20 uh, to the opposing team. And there's been all this talk about, all right, you got to do something. If you fumble the ball out of the end zone, the team who fumbles the ball should still get back that ball. Now, down in distance, I think you would know what down it is because you are actually in one. The, the distance becomes a point of conversation. It, 
usually lose it right towards the pylon or it rolls out of the end zone, whatever. Do you get it at the goal line? Do you get it at the one? Do you move it back to the to the five, the ten? I mean, it's been all that tough. Well, today the competition committee said no. They're going to keep it. They're going to keep as is. At least that was the uh, the discussion that was coming out of there. So you know, the NFL has done this in some things, particularly when it comes to the eye in the sky and when it comes to things that seem just so blatantly obvious when it comes to an instant replay in the NFL, where if it makes so much sense, and and maybe that's the biggest word of all, just use common sense. Use instant replay when there's common sense. Um, at, oftentimes they don't, and they screw that up. You kind of get the same feel uh, that this is happening. Jody Batista does a wonderful job as well. Also said, remember last year's uh, one-year experiment with the fair catch on a kick worked, okay? Um, The NFL return game is the highest as far as potency to CTE, or I should say concussion. CTE is obviously long-term effects of a concussion. But in 2023, it was reduced by 22%. So they want this to continue but it was based on a one-year experimental type of situation. Um, we're going to have to find out what is going to end up happening there. And then that whole hip drop tackle, which we saw what it did in college football, right? Jordan Travis, what it's done in the NFL with some injuries. That, that's another part of this that they are going to discuss. And it may not sound like a lot to you, well, what are they going to do about this? You already are at a point where you can't hit a guy. If there's a big hit in college or pro, even if it's legal, it, it feels like there's a flag that hits the field. If it's shoulder pad or helmet, anywhere to the upper part of the body, in a lot of these instances, it's valid. It is targeting. But now, all of a sudden, they're going lower body. Whether you go after a guy's knee, especially a quarterback's knee, and now you add to this the whole hip drop tackling, I just don't know how this game, how you're going to be able to police it. How you're going to be able to officiate the NFL with so much being determined by these officials when it comes to who you can hit and how you can actually hit them. Um, The head was one thing, but now you're getting lower body. So uh, that is going to be something that is, uh, is going to continuously be discussed uh, with these NFL owners and the competition committee, obviously, uh, as well. All right, we got uh, much more to do here the rest of the week. Be with you from 6 until 8, Wednesday and Thursday. Right now, though, it's good time for Hacker Nation. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com careers. Equal opportunity employer. Should say it's now time for Hacker Nation. Yes. No, oh, man, a lot going on, obviously, with Trent Balky and Doug Peterson and their thoughts today. And I don't know how much you really learn, Rick. I guess maybe Cam Robinson's future here is a little more positive an outlook than I thought it might have been 12 hours ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that does not appear they're going to cut him. Now, again, who really knows what to believe? You know, 50 days ago, Doug Peterson said he had to analyze the coaching staff and really think about it, and three hours later, he fired Mike Mm -hmm. Caldwell. So who really knows? But 
uh, both guys made it seem to me that Cam Robinson likely to be back in 2024, maybe a little bit of a surprise. It was a big surprise to me. And, you know, also on top of that, Doug Peterson goes on to say there was only one game where you had Cam, Ezra, Luke, Sheriff, and Anton. And I'm thinking, don't do it. Mm. You can't bring back these five. I mean, I trust my eyes. Did Ezra Cleveland do anything in the time while he was here that would say, bring him back? And I get it. He was hurt. Um, Brandon Sheriff is not what he was and his cap figure is ridiculous. And you and I have already expressed many times our opinion on Luke Fortner. Um, that's right now. The only certainty I know about this offensive line is, is Anton Harrison. I don't know if he's gonna be on the left side or right side. Yeah, no, I like Anton Harrison. I, I can't imagine they would bring that starting five back. I, I tweeted out earlier, if they bring back that starting five that started last season, there's going to be problems among the Jaguar fan base. Uh, uh, look, they ran it back last year. It didn't work. You got to make some additions. They did say, Trent Baalke said, cornerback is a need. So maybe that's smoke screening, who knows. But it appears to me, based on what Balky said, that defensive back will be a fairly high um, thought process early in the draft. Yeah, if I was a gambler and I'm not, there's no doubt I would have them getting a corner in the first round. Yeah, it's a deep corner class, yeah. too. Yeah. Now, I'm – Totally opposite of that. I'm all about the offensive line for a number of reasons, but, you know, at least make it your second-round selection getting an offensive line. But, well, no, I, I actually thought it was a good day today for both Trent and Doug. I, I thought we got more. I, I expected something, but I got three or four things today, so overall I was pretty happy about it. How about you? Yeah, I, I agree with that. The Cam Robinson situation, the cornerback situation, I agree with that. Uh, the fact that he met with Calvin Ridley, Trent Balky did last week. He said, Calvin knows where we stand. We know where Calvin stands. I thought it was interesting. They're going to meet with Ezra Cleveland's agent later in the week. So, obviously, things are starting to get done. But you look at that calendar, well, no kidding. We're 13 days away from free agency. We're going to have all, a lot of these answers coming up over the next week and a half or so. Right. What do you got coming up tonight? Obviously, a lot of combine talk. Well, that'll be pretty much all week. Here on Hacker After Dark, much like it is on your program, uh, Dallas Robinson Pro Football Network will join us tonight to take a look at the 2024 draft class and Ben Arthur, the AFC South reporter for Fox Sports and FoxSports.com will stop by to give his thoughts on what transpired earlier today. Not right, have a lot of fun. That's coming up right now. That is Hacker Nation. Again, we're with you tomorrow and Thursday, 6 to 8, our regularly scheduled program. That is always the case four nights a week here with Into the Night with Rick Ballou. This week, it will change on Friday, however. We'll be with you 3 until 6. I don't check the text line. And that's just something I don't do once the show is over. You can always get me on Twitter, Ballou1010XL. Casey Dobson, nice work tonight, young man. I enjoyed Thank it. Thank you, sir. Yes, that's it. We're back tomorrow at 6, but keep it right here. Hacker Nation is up next on your Home of the Jazz.